sake. Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast. Once again, I know it's been a while but welcome to a very very special one-off episode. It's kind of the bridge between season 1 of FFS and season 2 of FFS which will come out soon. Uh and what are we going to be discussing today? Well, we're going to be talking about the recent Champions League campaign that ended uh and we're going to be talking to I think we've got a full almost a full house here. We've got fans of teams that have of, of most teams that have made it through through to the knockout stage of the Champions League and I think barring a few of us uh I think most of us on here have ha- have watched their teams you know play post the restart so we're going to get some their thoughts on how the matches went whether their teams exceeded expectations or they didn't reach the heights of previous years or even their own expectations so before we get to that in greater detail uh i'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves i think there are 10 people on this particular podcast so it's going to be a whole load of content over here uh but i'm going to do it alphabetically so let's start off with aaron aaron would you like to tell us a bit about yourself uh yeah hi everyone so yeah my name's uh, alankrit but people call me alan and uh i'm currently based out of bombay uh so i support bayern munich and i've been supporting them ever since the 2010 world cup finish because that was like my first real focused sort of introduction to football like i did watch the 2006 world cup but that was like i didn't know much then but 2010 was really when i got into it mm-hmm. and uh ever since it's been a great ride following bayern munich uh, of course mm-hmm. uh three champions league finals two wins two trebles i think i've been a very happy fan for 10 years Yes, I would say a lucky charm. But um, let let's move on. Aaron, now it's your turn. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Hey guys, um, Aaron here, based out of Dubai. Support Liverpool. Guess I'm starting to to become a repeated offender on your show, Prads. Um, but yeah, looking forward yeah. to what we have today. Yeah, I mean, well, this is your third time, third time, yeah, that you're on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I mean. like it, it's always fun when you have your best mates on the podcast and talking about the clubs i mean we both support liverpool so it's even better that uh, we get to have this conversation yet again uh, okay next we move on to ali ali tell us a bit about yourself and uh, tell us about a bit about how you became a juventus supporter hello guys um so i'm ali i'm based out of dubai i've been a juventus supporter since 1997 uh unlike the others i supported uh, when they started losing champions league finals so i've watched uh five champions league final losses unfortunately until now but uh happy days we've survived i've gone through it all through the lows and the highs and i'm uh, i'm still as loyal as ever and uh, i've come to support juventus because of uh, uh alessandro del piero and the draw he had on me as a kid um funny enough he's not my favorite player of all time that's videz but uh Yeah, Del Piero was uh, the person who drew me to the team, but then it's always been the same since 1997. Yeah, I mean, I we were discussing I think earlier on into the season whether this would finally be Juventus's year. I suppose you'll have to wait another year to see uh them finally lift another another Champions League or your first Champions League. So, uh next we move on to Joseph. Joseph, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Hello everyone I am Joseph uh, I'm uh, talking to you from Beirut uh, 
I am uh, supporting uh, PSG Paris Saint-Germain team since uh, 2002 and uh, I am uh, the founder of the PSG fan club in Lebanon. Uh, so uh, we started uh, a few members uh, since uh, maybe 2015. We made the officially the fan club. We started three to four people and now we are more than 100. Of course, uh, this is because of our team is increasing in uh, it's getting back or not, uh, is, is getting in his place uh, in uh, the European uh, uh, clubs. Of course, I am very proud of the, of the results that uh, we have made this year, especially in the final. We have uh, reached the final. Of course, we still uh, feel uh, uh, disappointed from uh, the results, but it was a great game for us and also the the the, the route of of the to, that we have reached the final is also fruitful for us we are counting that our team will be doing much much better in the coming years of course every club in europe has to think about what psg can do perfect yeah uh i mean we'll come to the conversation a little later but uh let's move on to lois lois would you tell us a bit about i think one of the the dark horses of this tournament leon so tell us a bit about how you came to be supporting the club. Sure. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Uh, my name is Louis. So as you can hear, I'm from France. My family uh, is from Lyon. So uh, even though I spent more time of my life in Paris than Lyon, I've always been a, a Lyon fan. My first game was in 1989, so a long, long time ago as a child. And uh, even when Paris started... Uh, money and buying the biggest stars, uh, of course, I could never change my uh, loyalty. Uh, I am currently based in New York, and so I'm a member of the Lego NYC, the uh, OL fan club in, uh, that we have here in, uh, in New York City. And uh, yes, happy to be here and happy to talk about this amazing campaign for our team. Perfect. All right. And uh, we move next to a Real Madrid supporter, Naeem. So would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, guys. Uh... This name here, as Daddy mentioned, I am an ardent supporter of Real Madrid. Um, I believe I became a fan around the Galactic era, not the initial one, not the 1960s, but around the 2000s when uh, the likes of Ronaldo Figo came around. I guess that caught my eye and had me interested in the game. And I've been a supporter of Real Madrid ever since then. Um, it's been... Well, the initial uh, stages of 2000s were quite disappointing, obviously. We were chasing uh, that 10th crown for a really long time. Uh, but this past decade has been quite uh, interesting in the fact that we've again risen to European glory. And uh, it's been nice to be a Real Madrid supporter in the past decade or so. Yes, and I hope that changes in the near future. <laughs> uh, all right, Shazad, uh, obviously... Another Bayern Munich supporter. I think I thought it, it'd be best if we had two on here because it, it's only right given that you guys won the damn thing. So tell us a bit about yourself yet again. So uh, I think this is my fourth time on the podcast. So you're probably very familiar with my story. But essentially, I've been a Bayern Munich fan, I believe, since 2010. It's kind of easy. But either way, uh, I was part of the Bayern Munich fan club in Bombay. Uh, I did a bit of a stint in India. So that's where I met some good friends, actually. They're a good lifelong friends now, all Bayern fans. 
Uh, I'm based out of Toronto, Canada. Now uh, moved back here in 2017. I, I'm um, I'm also a part of the uh, official Bayern Munich fan club here as well, so it's called Toronto. A uh, great bunch of people. Uh, to be honest, it's been a bit of a dream run. I think I mentioned on your podcast that uh, I was really concerned about the gimmicky nature of this uh, Champions League. But hey, it worked out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the last few days have been phenomenal. So, you know, what more can I say? Yeah, man. I'm a, I, you said you've been your, on your four times. I'm also getting a little hazy in terms of what everyone said during this entire, like, whatever, 100-odd episodes that we've done uh, over the past one year. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in greater detail. Let's finish off introductions first. So, uh, Somyanil, let's uh, get to you. And why don't you tell us a bit about how you came to be supporting Atletico Madrid? Yeah. Hey, guys. I'm uh, Somyanil and I'm uh, from Kolkata. Uh, I'm the founder of the Penia Atletica de India, which is the only official fan club, Atletico fan club in India. Uh, and how I came about supporting Atletico, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a long story, but I'm going to tell you guys in a gist. Uh, yeah, back in India, in 2009, uh, the La Liga started broadcasting uh, uh, for the first time. So all my friends uh, started picking up uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid uh, because of their favorite players. There, but I was a uh, huge Spain supporter, and uh, all my favorite players got divided into both teams. So I took my time and watched the La Liga uh, to see which team would I support. But man, it was the duo of Diego Forlan and Kun Aguero who stole my heart. From since then, I am a huge Colchonero fan, and uh, and it's been uh, it's been pretty highs and low for me. Uh, during this decade, I've been supporting Atletico. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, it was really, really difficult to find uh, an Atletico supporter for this particular podcast. And I was always looking at Atletico supporters group and there weren't really too many groups. As such. Then I came across this word called Peña and I was like, oh, you guys suddenly call yourselves that. So, uh, I mean, that finally got me through to you. So, uh, glad to have you on this podcast. And we'll get to you in great... Uh, we'll get to your story in greater detail in some time. Let's move on to Vishal, who supports Manchester City, who were clearly the favourites, one of the favourites for this particular tournament and has... Uh, and to my... And I'm sure even Aaron's uh, gleeful joy is has was knocked out uh, in unexpected, un- unexpected circumstances. Uh, but... Vishal, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Hey, thanks, Paddy. Uh, so, so for me, it was not unexpected. Although I'm a city city fan, I think uh, we've uh, had a very yo-yo season, winning against some of the best teams and uh, losing against some of the you know some of the bit retired teams. I got to liking Manchester City mainly because of the French national team. I used to be a goalkeeper for my for my school team. And I, I would, I would usually admire Fabian Barthez, and that's how I started following the French team. And then Nicolas Anelka, uh, you know, used to used to sort of follow him a bit. Uh, and then uh, I think when uh, Sven Goran Eriksson took over Manchester City, that's when I started to follow City a little more. Of course, everything accelerated when uh, they bought the Robinho and. Uh, so I've, I've, I can say that I've been a hardcore fan for maybe 10, 11 years, but I've been following City because of Anelka maybe from 2002. 
we can talk a little more about Manchester City's uh, yo-yo season during this conversation. Nice to meet all all of you, and you know, appreciate you having me on, Paddy. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely. I think you you hit the nail on the head with the term yo-yo. I think that that's definitely something that Manchester City had some sort of the season. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the last. uh guests on this particular podcast and that's yogesh yogesh would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be supporting napoli hey guys thanks for inviting me uh pretty great to have a lot of different fans over here so i am yogesh i am based out of uh, mumbai india uh i i became a napoli fan i guess somewhere around 2009 2010 uh probably because i, I read a lot of stuff uh, around uh, Edinson, the original three tenors, Edinson Cavani, Ezekiel Lewandowski, and Marek Hamšík. So those were like uh, phenomenal uh, uh, three players that uh, came to be at the club. And obviously, uh, I was pretty lonely back then. Uh, but I'm like, uh, uh, plan to start out uh, uh, a sort of group or something. Uh, so started this uh, Napoli India Supporters Club uh, back in 2011, and. now now i guess i am in good company now uh, there are a lot of a lot more fans right now and the season was not that great but the future looks bright awesome so introductions are completed thank you all for being here i think uh it were it's definitely nice to have such a large contingent from all across the world i mean that's exactly why why i started this podcast to get people's opinions from all over the world uh All right, so let's start off. Okay, I I thought it'll be best to start off by congratulating the winners. That is Bayern Munich. So congratulations, Alankrit and Shahzad for supporting the winners. And you know, and I think it'll be best because I'm as a as the previous winner or the supporter of Liverpool who were the previous winners. I'd like to hand over the baton to you guys and to welcome you to the uh, to number six in the Champions League trophy cabinet. so uh i'm sure you guys must be proud but before we get to that though uh, i'm going to play a short recording it's basically my chat with a member of the rb leipzig mozambique fan club unfortunately they couldn't be here today for this particular podcast episode but i did ask them to send in a few recordings i i asked them certain questions so let's hear from them first and then we'll get back to you know discussing bayern and the other clubs All right, so let's begin. Uh welcome Roland to the FFS podcast. Uh can you tell us a bit about yourself and about the RB Leipzig Mozambique fan club? Hello, greetings from Mozambique. My name is Roland. I came from Leipzig 30 years ago and I live uh, near the capital Maputo. Here in my house I have the possibility to watch German TV. And so in 2016 when RB Leipzig qualified for the Bundesliga I decided to invite some friends and to found the fan club to watch the, the matches together. Here in Mozambique we have a, a special situation with the former uh, contract workers from Mozambique that worked in in East Germany and returned uh, to Mozambique in 1990. we are talking about some 15000 mozambicans uh, that returned at that time and so many of them they know leipzig they know the the region of leipzig sachsen and um, they can identify themselves 
with the club. So uh, I decided to invest in um, in a video projector and a smart board and be, uh, build it, um, a sports bar last year uh, with a capacity of, of 70 places. And unfortunately, a heavy storm in October 2019 uh, destroyed the roof. So uh, actually, we don't have the possibility to... Um, you don't have funds and uh, don't have the possibility to um, recreate the sports bar and to, to watch the matches together. Wow. Uh that's actually quite sad to hear. I hope things get better in the near future so that, you know, the club can, I, I think your fan clubs and your supporters can watch games together once again. Uh, but talking about the Champions League campaign, Roland, what, how would you rate this particular campaign under Nagelsmann? Were you, did they exceed expectations given that they got past the likes of Atletico Madrid who knocked out the previous champions, Liverpool? So tell us a bit about what you thought uh, about this particular campaign, UCL campaign rather. Yeah, well, Leipzig played a fantastic Champions League campaign and we fans are happy and proud. Uh, first with a win of the group without key players like Demer, Konate, Eorben and then especially with the two wins against uh, Tottenham. After the Corona break without Timo Werner, we kicked out Atletico and reached the semi-finals. So that is really, really more than we expected. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, I just want to ask you one one last thing, which is one of the major story points or talking points of RB Leipzig's campaign post the restart at least was the loss of Timo Werner since you sold him to Chelsea. Uh, There was a lot of debate as to whether he should have stayed with uh, Leipzig until the Champions League campaign got over. Uh, But so do you think that that transfer, that loss of Timo Werner had a significant bearing on Leipzig's UCL campaign or do you think that Nagelsmann was tactically astute and I mean he knew how to get the best out of his players without having Timo Werner up front? After his transfer to Chelsea, Timo Werner was definitely interested to play for Leipzig. But there was no other way than to respect the wish of Chelsea and not to risk any injury. Since Timo Werner left, uh, RB Leipzig showed a great uh, team spirit, and so especially in the, the match against Atletico, but even against PSG. So I think uh, we have reasons to believe in a great next season for RB Leipzig. Yeah, definitely. I think under Nagelsmann, the future is definitely bright for Leipzig. Uh, if this campaign is anything to go by, there is definitely a bright future ahead for these kind of sort of players, especially given that. Leipzig is one team that is known to produce talent after talent uh, year on year. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess uh, I think that's all the questions we have for you, Roland. Uh, thank you very much for giving your thoughts for this uh, particular podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you on f- in future episodes and we can discuss Leipzig in greater detail. All right, so we're back now. Uh, live and with our guests on the podcast so yeah like i mentioned i wanted to start with Bayern, but i think we should go a different route i'm going to just start off slightly different and i just want to get your uh lois's thoughts on on uh leon which is one of the dark horses uh 
if you were to sum up this entire campaign, did did they exceed expectations? Especially once you came up against the likes of Manchester City and you gave Bayern a run for the money at least for the first ten to fifteen minutes. So what we, you know, what do you think of the entire campaign? Well, uh, I think if I had one word to summarize it, the word would be redemption because uh, this season was the worst uh, for the club in probably over twenty years. It will be the first one uh, in this century. It will be the first season that we are not playing in Europe. We have like a Champions League, and so uh, because uh, the French government decided to stop the the season early and did not restart, unlike Spain, UK, or Premier League. So it, it was a bad decision, but we got penalized because at the time we were seven. So we knew that the only chance for us to go back to the Champions League was actually to win it, and we were the smallest. Uh, we were like the, the biggest underdog, so to speak, to make it. Uh, even against Juventus, we were not favorites to, uh, to win it at all. We had a first good game, but when you're playing against Ronaldo, you had a very bad season. You are not the favorites. And so uh, what is great about this, uh, this uh, tournament in Portugal is that the team made the, all their fans proud. Fans were very unhappy with the way the season was going, but the way the team conducted themselves eliminating Juventus, eliminating Manchester City. And as you said, uh, uh, giving Bayern Munich a, a run for the money, I think actually it's more than 10-15 minutes because we should have scored two or three goals. We had better chances, I thought, than Paris had in the final. Uh, I thought we played better than Paris and the 3-0 score did not reflect. Of course, Bayern were the better team and they were the best team overall. But I think the score did not reflect the quality of the performance. And so, therefore, Lyon fans are leaving this uh, Champions League. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best ever result tied with 2010. So, all fans are proud and happy. Uh, there's a bit of regret because if the team had played like this all season, we would be in the Champions League this year again. But at least it gave a lot of hope for the upcoming season. We're going to have to sell a lot of players. But if the mentality is the same as it was in this Champions League campaign, we will be in the top two or the top three teams in France this coming season. So it's a lot of uh, optimism for the future. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't uh, disagree with you there. I, I mean, I I watched the Lyon Bayern match a bit. I I was out for the Lyon Manchester City match, but I, I'm very glad that you did do us a slight favor because I felt like at City progressed, then it would have been it would have been interesting. But I felt like. They might, may have been unstoppable. But from Leon's perspective, you spoke about selling players and all of that. But I feel like your president is one of the most miserly people out there. Or he's the most stubborn, uh, one of the most stubborn presidents out there. He doesn't sell on the cheap. Uh, and so I think, I, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you see most of your star players leave this season? Or do you think that given what's happening around that, uh, you know, it might... It, you might be able to keep them for a season more. I mean, I think we we have three players that are very uh, bankable. Uh, we have uh, Memphis Depay, Hussein Awar, and Dembele. Um, so, unfortunately, because we don't have any uh, European Cup income this year, and we have to repay the stadium, I would I would like to hope we only need to sell one. I think most likely we will need to sell two. And, uh, I mean, the one who was the best European campaign was Usain Mawar. He's a phenomenal player. 
I think until the Messi uh, rumors started to uh, to spread, uh, there was a lot of talk, or there was initial talk that uh, Manchester City wanted to sell uh, him. I don't know if they can afford him and Messi, uh, but uh, if I had to choose as a fan who I would like to stay, it would be Usama Ward because he's a he's a playmaker. Uh, he's young. He was uh, born and raised in uh, in Lyon, so he's a local guy. Um, Dembélé scored very important goals, but I think he's um, he's more about power than technique, and I think it is uh, easier to replace. And so if I have to choose one that uh, I would be okay with leaving, I would like to keep all of them. But the one I would regret the least would be uh, Moussa Dembélé. And Memphis Depay is a very unpredictable player, very exciting. Um, he's coming back from a uh, tour ICL injury. So his, his form was not the best in the European campaign, but he scored a hat-trick last night in the, in the, in the opening of the league. So... I hope we can. Unfortunately, I think the most likely to leave is Awar, but the one that the fans want to uh, keep the most is Awar as well. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, all right. So moving on now from Lyon, I want to get now back to the champions of the, cha- uh, the Champions League that is uh, Bayern Munich. So, Alankrit, how's it feel winning number six? And did you guys? I mean, were you fairly confident at the start of this Champions League campaign that you were the? I mean, you were one of the favorites. I felt like City was probably given the higher odds of winning, but uh, I think once Flick came in and the performances you were showing, especially against the English Premier League sides, uh, it was only a, it showed that you know this could really be, uh, or rather, Bayern Munich would really be a threat to any other team that was going to face them. Uh, and we saw that. I, I, I was so I'm disappointed because we were supposed to have a Barcelona fan in here, and I thought that it would have been perfect, but to have him on here and obviously tease him a lot. But uh, give us a bit of give us tell us a bit about what you felt and where were you when you when they won the Champions League? Were you celebrating with friends? Were you at home? Yeah, just tell us a bit about that. Um, so honestly, at the start of last season, like July August. I did not even expect this season to be a good one like because of everything that was happening before Flick joined. Like It was a very turbulent time for the club. Uh, so I was just like going to go with uh, the flow. Like I was just expecting for the best things to happen. Of course, I, I knew the players had the quality to always be up there fighting for like every game, trying to come out on top. But I did not honestly expect an unbeaten Champions League campaign. So I think... All of us really owe a lot for Hansi Flick and what he has done this season. Like it was a remarkable turnaround since November. Uh, yeah, so I was actually super, super relieved that this season actually happened because we needed this boost after last season. And um, until I think the Chelsea game happened, I still didn't expect us to go through to the finals. I was like still thinking, okay, we'd be there probably semi-finals, but it'll be a tough battle, especially if we have to face Real Madrid or Barcelona. But then um, after the Barca game, the quarterfinals, especially when the fourth goal went in, I knew, okay, the serious contenders out here, we could definitely go get the trophy. And this was actually a weird year for me because usually I do try to watch most of the finals with friends or like at least people who uh, I can watch it with. But 
given what's happening i've actually been in isolation for about 2 3 months so i was just watching it alone in my home but i think it's one of the most memorable finals i've watched cuz it had everything like from seeing a good end to end champions league game and the last few minutes they were super tense but i think if i had to repeat it once again the same way i would like i wouldn't even think twice about it right and shahzad you weren't there when i asked uh, alankrit the same question so you know tell us a bit about how it felt winning number 6 and you know where were you when where were you celebrating the champions league victory so i was actually at a bar, we have a dedicated bar for all our bayern munich games here uh, of course we followed all protocol and i i i'm not being facetious with this but we actually uh, had an invite by rsvp only and we had all our masks on um, like everything was taken care of so we were watching it on this big screen a uh, nice projector and uh, actually watched all my games there uh, from the barcelona game to uh, the finals against psg um to be honest with you i wasn't expecting this run uh, so it was a bit of a shock uh, at the same time it was extremely tense but i also tried to balance it out with uh, you know a bit of positivity uh, if i may because uh, at the end of the day i just always had faith in um, hanzi and the boys and i don't mean faith as in i didn't expect them to win uh, even if they were you know let's say they lost to psg or the semi finals or whatever i would still have been extremely proud of this team uh I, to be very frank with you i feel like generally when a team wins the champions league it could be the end of a cycle uh, or you know you're in the middle of the cycle at the peak uh, the weird part about this team is that, that they're actually just beginning to uh, peak if you ask me considering the the youths that we have and the signings that we made in leroy sane so uh i was actually more excited about the future uh, as i said i wasn't really looking forward to this tournament but it's been such a great surprise like this tournament's just been a pleasant surprise overall for us i mean you've given credit to hansi flick and your team and everything i think we have to give credit to mr ojus for his un- uh, unbelievable consistency in jinx yeah uh, protecting every goddamn tweet on by uh football twitter right i think that guy i think hasn't had didn't sleep or he didn't have any other job but to just find every goddamn tweet out then my feed was literally filled with chicken legs uh, it was it was mad um i do you guys i mean do you guys have yeah, uncle do you want to say something so i was just about to say that i think that's one of the best things that came out of bayern football twitter in the last 3 4 months and i think even the admin joined in at one point it was like it was it was like it was pretty hilarious so to be to be honest with you i mean i, I think you guys probably know this but ojas is also uh, one of my best friends in you know real life thanks to bayern so we you know talk quite often even outside of twitter and the jinx protector stuff just came out of the fact that you know we've spent so many games together all the quarter finals and semi finals against madrid when you know we used to expect things and things would just go you know haywire so this time we just decided that uh, and i'm not taking any credit for the jinx protector that was i believe his idea i just joined in but uh, the idea behind it was to just not be arrogant and uh, you know just let it uh, whatever happens happens so okay sir sir as we would say so yeah that was that was great i i think the jinx protector was one of the highlights of uh, fan twitter during this run 
Yeah, definitely. And okay, I'm leaving this open to everyone out here on this particular podcast. Uh, do you guys think that Bayern deserved it? Were they truly deserving of that Champions League? Did you have any other differing feelings that you felt somebody else was probably better or they were lucky in any sort? I, I leave it open so anybody can unmute themselves and speak. I would, I'd like to congratulate Bayern. I think they've had a phenomenal uh, second half of the season, probably from the beginning of January, when it's been really, really good for them. Uh, and they've gone out and shown the rest of Europe how just how good they can be. Uh, with regards to, I believe it was um, probably Shahzad speaking, I'm not quite sure, but uh, something along the lines of uh, being at the beginning of the stage in terms of, you know, like uh, teams usually win the Champions League when they're probably at the peak or towards the end of this thing. But isn't that also the similar case with Bayern like I mean I know there's youth in terms of uh, Davies and probably uh, like the uh, center of the park but in terms of some of your better players like uh, Lewandowski and you've got uh, Müller uh, all close to 30s obviously and not 30s above 30s rather um, don't you think that would impact Bayern Munich going forward and also uh, how much of an impact do you think Hansi Flick's management will have uh, next season now that the clubs sort of have an idea of the kind of game he likes to play? So I can I can answer that uh, really quickly because I'm sorry, I, I feel like I'm taking too much time. But to answer the first portion of your question, uh, no, I think Lewandowski is actually, uh, it, it's, it's kind of scary to think of it, but he's at his uh, peak, if you ask me. He's in his early 30s. So and he's in phenomenal shape. So I don't think uh, his runs coming to an any anytime soon. Uh, as far as Muller goes, I think Jose Mourinho articulated that well right before the Champions League. That people think he's old, but he's not really. He's in his early thirties, and and people just think that way because he started his career really young. I believe at seventeen, eighteen, or whatever it was. So I think Thomas Muller still has a lot of. Uh, gas left in the tank and uh, indirectly thanks to Yogi Lo because he doesn't play for the national team anymore. So if you ask me, that's a weird blessing in disguise. Uh, <clears throat> as far as the youth goes, I think we have some phenomenal talent in uh, Kisans, uh, in Arp and uh, sorry if I'm getting some of these pronunciations wrong. Uh, we have Lucas Maia as well, uh, you know, as a centre-back who's loaned out to Darmstadt. So I, I think I would highly recommend a lot of people to look at Bayern's youth uh, uh, you know, levels. Uh, I, I, even I've been pleasantly surprised with what we've been able to churn out. Uh, so I think a lot of the gaps uh, can be filled out. I mean, even if Thiago leaves for Liverpool, uh, of course, no one can replace Thiago. But I think we're more than capable of, uh, you know, kind of filling in those shoes with a different bunch of players. Uh, as far as Hansi Flick, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to spend too much time because I think we've spoken about Hansi in, in you know, extensive manner, but. Uh, of course, I think he can manage this team well. Uh, he will have a few challenges. Uh, it's going to be a grueling schedule as it would be for all other clubs. So I think rotation is key. But I think uh, in the short sample size that we've had, which is mostly this year, uh, I think he's managed that really well. And he's managed egos really well. So, uh, no, I still firmly believe that Bayern's actually at the beginning of its peak uh, with its next generation and its current uh, strong talent. So. All right. Okay. So... Let's move on quickly because otherwise our guests will just be listening all day long to Bayern. And I know there's a lot of Bayern talk that can happen th today. But let's, 
Joseph, let's talk about PSG because they were unfortunately the runners-up for this contest. I mean, we were. I was watching the match with Aaron and Naeem, and we. Ca- Aaron, were you there as well? I think. <laughs> uh, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, and so we were kind of, and we were watching it, and then you know there were times where you would get to the final third, but the you know the killer instinct to score was not there. And was that very frustrating for you, seeing the likes of Mbappe and Neymar kind of fluff their shots at the last minute because that was sort of that was kind of the major difference between the two teams. One was really clinical. It may they may not they had their chances, but you know they took it when it really mattered. Whereas PSG had chances, but unfortunately didn't really work out for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, if you want to uh, describe or what what happening, uh, we were facing Neuer. We were not facing uh, Bayern Munich. We were facing Neuer. This is a, a goalkeeper coming from the galaxy, I think, because he saved his team. And if he if you will ask him to repeat what he has done, I doubt that he will repeat it. The same thing happened with Lyon. Of course, we were saying while watching Lyon against Bayern Munich, we said, why the players of Lyon are not scoring? It's too easy to score. But when it's our turn, the same happened to us. Uh, Neuer was uh, unbelievable. He was uh, very, very, very lucky, I think. I don't know if he's lucky or not. It's, it's, it's the, say, the, the correct word to say. But we had five chances at least we should uh, score one from the five because you are facing uh, Bayern Munich. It's not a simple team. It's not an easy team. It's one from the biggest team in Europe. And you cannot have more than three or four chances during the game. So at least we should score, at, at least we should score one. Unfortunately, we didn't, we were, we were unlucky if you want, or I don't know how to, how to describe it. But at the end, we were in the final for the first time. I think we need some experience and we start getting such experience. So in the upcoming years, I think we'll be doing much, much better. That's it. And congratulations for Bayern. Perfect. And yes, Neuer, we'll come to that in just a bit. Because I I really wish we had a Barcelona supporter here with us. uh, Because we could have easily (laughs) just made fun of the fact that you know, Ter Stegen's not going to find a place in the German side anytime soon. But, uh, you know, talking about the game itself, I felt like PSG did have a f- couple of decisions go against them. I think one was that penalty shot. I, I don't know, was it Mbappe? Somebody helped me out here that they had. Yes, and, yes. Uh, then Mbappe. I think they, and there was another one where I think uh, it hit the Bayern Munich defender and went for a corner. It's a corner, obviously. Yeah. But from a corner to a yeah. goal kick, you know, you never know what could have happened. But there were certain yeah. decisions that I felt may have gone against PSG. Would that does that add more frustration to you give, during the match? No, uh, actually, this is uh, could happen during the game. We should not count on on wrong decisions by the referee. We we should count on the this uh, getting the chances. At least we had five clear chances. But we didn't score. So why to look on uh, the referee mistakes and not to look on our mistakes? So l- I don't think that 
we feel uh, uh, unfairness. No, no, no. We don't. We cannot uh, think like this. Uh, it is uh, our uh, uh, animal chance. How to to say it? We didn't have the chance to score. That's it. That's it. I don't think that uh, uh, it's a mistake of others. It's our mistake. So next time we should learn from this, and next time we should more strict whenever facing the goalkeeper. Joseph, you're a better man than many men. I think if I, a lot of people would have simply just blamed the referee for blowing up that match and ruining your chances. I think, I mean, like, I'm glad that you are putting the bl- aren't putting the blame on the referee solely, and that you're looking at the bigger picture, and that is that you do need experience, and it, it is. Obviously, a learning curve for your players at PSG. Does anyone want to add in anything in terms of what they thought about the match as a, the final as well? Um, yeah, actually, I think um, I wouldn't say that it was just PSG facing Neuer. Granted, they had five chances, but after the game, I think around Tuesday or something, I was looking at like this heat map and a bit of statistics, and it did feel like. Um, Neymar and Mbappe, they they had the least number of attacking chances out of all the knockout games against Bayern. So the defense did do its job to a large extent. But I do get what uh, he was trying to say. Like if you have five chances and one of it like towards like I think the end of the first half, Mbappe shot directly at the goalkeeper. Like that should have, like that, I had my heart in my mouth at that point. So Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I do, I do get what he's trying to say. But if I do want to add another thing, uh, Bayern didn't do their first treble until they lost at home to Chelsea, and Liverpool didn't win their six until they lost to Madrid. So I think PSG, they, I think they have a lot of hunger this season. I won't be surprised if they win it this time. All right, and anyone else wants to add anything in terms of uh, Neuer or whether the let's let's go. go, to, go. Uh, okay, let's go. Uh, Samuel, you want to talk? Uh, you want to say your th- thoughts first, and then we get to Ali. Uh, yeah, I I just wanna under to ask that uh, PSG fan uh, that did it. Ha- I know it really hurts a lot uh, to lose a final, uh, uh, UCL final. But did it uh, hurt a uh, uh, that bit more that it, the goal came from a former PSG graduate? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is this is great from Kuman. Huh? This is great. This is the most uh, difficult. Uh, moment that we lived is one of our graduates put the call <laughs> inside our nets. And I Thank think what, you for reminding. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's especially a person that even I know a lot of Bayern fans don't rate at at a high level. And I'm sure Alankrit and Shahzad may think the same or may not. Uh, but I mean, I know, I've seen him get a lot of stick from Bayern fans itself. So for him to kind of come up with a winning goal, it was... And plus, yes. The fact that he was a PSG graduate uh, and everything, academy graduate. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of uh, complexities to that goal, I would say. <laughs> um, and Ali, let, let's get your thoughts first before I move on to Shazad next. Sure. Um, so, first, a few things. First, Joseph, um, great sportsmanship. Um, I heard you're from Beirut, so I hope you and the family are all right, uh, uh, given the circumstances you. there. Um, to 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 be very honest and to comment on the game, <clears throat> I think uh, you did come against a strong Neuer, but the finishing was very careless and it wasn't clinical, and that 
<coughs> gives credit again, not taking credit away from Neuer, but the profiles of the forwards that faced him, whether it was Lyon with Depay's chance um, or uh, with Neymar's chance uh, in PSG, I think uh, the, the the players themselves should have done better. And I think the main blame is on Tuchel. Um, when you need a player in the area to sit between Boateng and Sule, uh, yet he insisted on getting Shupo Moting instead of uh, Mauro Icardi, knowing how deadly Mauro Icardi can be inside the area, uh, that was a shame. Um, I think Neymar put in a lot of his effort. It was one of the few times that I saw an honest and sincere Neymar play and put in that great effort to win the game. <coughs> but I think um, Tuchel is to carry the blame. And uh, there's a great manager. For me, he's the best who can come and probably win it for you. He's, he's available and you, you guys should... I think management of PSG should consider signing uh, Massimiliano Allegri. That's it from me. Awesome. Uh, and Shazad, you wanted to say something as well. No, I just wanted to say that, uh, full disclosure, I constantly uh, abuse Kingsley Coman because he frustrates the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I abused him before the finals as well, but uh, I, I thought it was the right decision to start him instead of Perisic just because of the impact it would also have on Fonzie at the back. So I thought that was a very gutsy move by Flick that may get overlooked, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and uh, considerations to the PSG fan, I thought you guys had a great year, but uh, I wouldn't put my head down. You know, you guys probably have great things uh, for the next year ahead. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to add on to that command point. I think a lot of Bayern fans give him stick because we've seen him perform at a certain level and then we, we just don't see it anymore. And I think we expect a lot more from him. It's not because he's not a bad player. It's just that we we've seen him do some things that are like, phenomenally great but he's not hitting those levels anymore definitely okay let's move on to uh let, let's move on to napoli because th- that was one of the earlier teams that was that didn't make it through to the quarterfinals uh yogesh you know given the barcelona side that you were facing and given what happened in the semi-finals were you slightly let down that your napoli side couldn't take over you didn't couldn't Conquer that Barcelona side. Yeah, definitely. I'm like there was more regret after we saw Barcelona getting destroyed by Bayern than I'm like when we just lost out. I'm like uh, it was going to be very difficult. Uh, we held them to a one-all draw at uh, San Paolo before lockdown happened, and uh, as the league form was picking up uh, after things uh, uh, football restarted, so we were pretty confident, but. I'm like uh, it was it was the tale of the entire season I'm like we created so many chances uh, we dominated uh, virtually the entire second half of the game but we just couldn't finish our chances and that's probably where we got caught up and sure like after seeing Barca getting like completely humiliated by Bayern in that manner I'm like it's also possible that if Napoli was to face uh, this this Bayern side, I'm like something more disastrous would have happened. So it's it's surely a bittersweet uh, result. But uh, yeah, um, like uh, there was uh, the league. Uh, this time we finished seventh in the league. Uh, so only the cup competitions. We won the Coppa Italia. So the cup competitions were the only respite. And I would say I'm like Napoli performed. Uh, Pretty good, I would say, uh, in Champions League. Uh, but I'm like, let's see what happens next season. I'm like, oh, we have got a bunch of new players. 
and as i said earlier like it definitely looks like we would have a pretty good run in europa league this time definitely uh and let's move on to the italian counterpart that's juventus uh, ali uh, obviously there was you know you were playing leon it was you know uh I, it was uh, the game was in the balance right uh, it, it wasn't really that one team was totally dominant over the other uh, and it could have gone either way but were you heavily reliant on cr7 to take you through and i i had this conversation earlier when i spoke to ahmed about sari and all of that so what did you feel do you feel did you feel that he was kind of hoping that ronaldo would pull you out from the depths of misery yet again so <clears throat> i might sound cocky but um to be realistic leon should have never ever been a challenge uh for a side like juventus and it's not because we have cristiano ronaldo or other uh, other than that it's just the historical factor to be very honest with you i think 70 80% of juventus fans uh, didn't have any expectations knowing that we've signed maurizio sarri um listen at the end of the day it's very easy to to come and analyze a game but this was long coming and um we did our job we 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 got that goal they got a ghost penalty we got a ghost penalty it was just a shambolic overall uh showing from from everyone from the players from the referees from the management and i think there was only one person who was sane uh out of everyone it was rudy garcia and uh, he got he got the result at the end of the day whichever way he got it he ended up getting that result he ended up having a very decent uh campaign in the champions league Uh, not expected from Lyon, but I think they should raise their heads. They should be happy. Um, they were a very good side. They deserved uh, to be <coughs> to be where they were, to, to get where they got. You know, they came against Bayern Munich, who were just out of this world uh, post the lockdown. But um, I think we had to run through this mistake period, through this um, listen to build after Massimiliano Allegri, someone who can read the game, who can change it in a second. Uh, you all remember the Atletico game and the tactical masterpiece, the, the Tottenham game and the tactical masterpiece. When you come and give me someone on like Maurizio Sarri, who's still uh, insisting on playing 4-3-3, although it doesn't suit us, it doesn't suit the style of Juventus. And then you come uh, and play it against a side that is very strong on the ball, uh, that have a midfielder in a war that's worth all your midfield combined. because we do not invest in midfielders yeah and everyone's free players. basically <laughs> everyone's free there in your midfield so, like it's it's uh, it's uh, not about just being a free midfield i mean bentancur for me is one of the best talents uh, in the, in the world right now given his age he's 22 he's been a starter for argentina and boca juniors since he was 18 but then uh, matuidi is out of gas uh, i can mention the names but it's not, again you come up you want to win the champions league look at the teams that have won it look at who they had bayern munich they had thiago alcantara and they had leon goretzka and look at look at even goretzka how how well he developed he became into this macho beast um you, you can't come and compare again you can't come and compare the likes of uh, out of gas matuidi these are people i really like i really respect matuidi kedira um ramzi we got him but it's not We don't play him as we say centrocampista. No, he's playing as a central midfielder. That's not his position. He's a number eight. He's better behind the, 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 the he's behind the forwards. 
he's better in that connection. So I think Rudy Garcia knew that. He did watch us in the league. It's obvious that he did his homework. Contrary to Mauricio Sarri, who didn't do any homework, who said, you know what, I'll come and I'll depend on Cristiano Ronaldo. And unfortunately, it's been like that throughout the season. Dybala, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, and Delict have been uh, the guys who were saving us in uh, more than one game. Of course, that doesn't take away from Stensny's performance. But then again, uh, Mauricio Sarri wasn't really the manager for Juventus, and we realized it right after the Lyon game. Uh, it was, I think it was realized back in March, but then we said Juventus is not the kind of club that like to fire mid-season or sack a coach mid-season. And that's why they told him, you know what, finish the season, get whatever you can get. And I think the team gave Sarri the league title, not Sarri uh, gave, uh, gave the, the team the league title. It's just, again, we're now in the rebuilding phase. I'm positive about what's happening next season. Uh, I think we're taking... Uh, Juve and Bayern Munich always have this uh, mutual respect. Rummenigge and Daniela are very close friends as well. And they have this mutual respect. And they have also this kind of mutual management style. And I think um, we're learning from them. They got Hansi Flick, someone who really understands what it is to play for that for that logo. And, uh, and we got Andrea Pirlo as well. We got Igor Tudor. For people who don't know who Igor Tudor is, he's one of the hardcore Juventini. He's a player who plays by heart. So I'm just hopeful that we're going to see more heart from the team next season with a few signings. And hopefully we steal a war. So I don't know if that uh, phone call with his mom was true, but I just hope we actually end up uh, getting him. He's a very, very, very good talent. Yeah, I think everyone on here has spoken, like, has given him so much applauds and so much of praises uh, to him. Uh, but uh, moving, I mean, Naeem, you've obviously kept an eye on Juventus given your uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's links and all of that. Uh, plus also Real Madrid, we saw, you know, you did have some sort of hope that they would get past Manchester City. But let, let's focus on Juventus a little bit. So, do you agree with what Ali had to say? Yeah, so, um, like, as you mentioned, I'm obviously not a fan of Juventus per se, but I'm a big fan of Cristiano Ronaldo. So, I've been keeping a close eye of how uh, Juventus have been playing. And um, I really enjoyed watching uh, Juventus the season before when they were under Allegri. Uh, the flow of football, the way they played the game, it's quite entertaining to watch. There were certain uh, key factors where I felt where they needed to boost to the midfield probably with pastel legs. Uh, and this is something that I thought last season as well. Uh, and then this season with their choice uh, and trust in uh, Sari. Uh, I thought there were going to be some sort of uh, midfielders brought in who would support the kind of uh, football that Sari plays, which is Sari ball. Uh, but unfortunately for Sari, uh, I guess what Juventus had in mind and what he had in mind were not the same thing, probably. Probably when he made the move to Juventus, he thought he would get the backing from the board to get the kind of players he wanted. Uh, but that didn't turn out to be the case. And for the remainder of the season, as it turned out, it was very frustrating to watch because um, the kind of football that Juventus, sorry, Sari wanted Juventus to play, uh, they just uh, weren't used to playing that kind of a game. It's like basically you go into Barcelona and tell them play the uh, Real Madrid way, you know, like you play counter-attacking football or you kind of play like this high-pressing football without keeping too much of the ball. Uh, it's very direct, which is not in Barcelona's blood to do so. So uh, it's kind of like doing that. And when, when those two mix 
don't really uh, don't really mix well it kind of leads to a very uh, poor kind of football which no one really enjoys not the coach not the players and definitely not the fans um so yeah i mean the entire season that i've watched i've seen glimpses of uh, partnerships between cristiano and dybala that have been interesting to watch but overall just watching juventus has been a very frustrating experience because i thought the flow of football was very poor it's very important to pa- point out i think it's not juventus's um, greatness this season that got them that title i think their rivals were sort of late on to the scene in terms of uh, hitting top form which kind of led to juventus's uh, title this year rather than their brilliance uh, okay trust me trust, trust me we gave them we gave them a lot of chances but they don't want to take it you know yeah. well, what can exactly. we do we we were trying to, <laughs> exactly. to do some charity we were trying to do some charity work and they weren't taking it yeah you know of course at the end of the day i i i and i'm very honest about it i'd lose the league title to any team other than inter milan so right. if it was napoli if it was lazio i eventually you want win the league title forever but if i'm to lose it and to get this broken run uh, definitely not to inter milan so i'm just glad that we sealed the title and then we lost the last two games just to show them that you were one point away you know it has right. this, uh, sweetness to it you know ali yeah. it's quite interesting that you were uh, brought this uh, point about can i got out of what about uh, atalanta they were brilliant i i thought atalanta was simply brilliant this year the way they played uh, the kind of football they played especially considering that they are in a, 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 a league like Serie A which is basically known for its defensive achievements more than their attacking brilliance uh and that is something what atlanta managed to achieve this season which was quite interesting to uh, watch so i really enjoyed watching atlanta's run in the champions league i didn't watch a lot of them in the um uh, serie a that's the, that's the reason atlanta didn't go through yes it's admirable what they what they did and what they were able to achieve but that's the, again when you when you come up against teams that can defend uh and psg can i'm not saying they're a great defender they're the best team that defends but they can defend they have thiago silva kempembe who's a very good talent uh and you do not defend and then you're trying to play a high line against the likes of mbappe and neymar um no chance in hell are you going to beat them and i think they just needed to find that balance uh gasperini coached juve i watched him coach juve and um this school of thought doesn't but, uh, doesn't but, belong uh, to, to it did to psg till uh, the injury time uh, to score those goals but yeah, but, but, uh, no, but, but it's, uh, it's not like it's not like psg were sitting uh, it's yeah. not like sorry, no no i was like i was saying that like uh, atlanta did a pretty good job uh, it's just that they were out of gas at the right moment not, not not just that but it's not like psg were not knocking on the door since the first minute Yeah. Yes, I mean, yes, you were the, were the better you. side. Yeah, were the better side throughout the whole yeah. game. Let's not no, like let's Ali, not again. It's admirable what they did. Again, they're amazing, but they were being hammered all the game. Um a, a small fluke in the defense uh, gave Pasalic the ball. They're a clinical team. Atalanta beauty of them. They're a very clinical team. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the great work they've done. Their wage bill is uh, 1/10th of what Neymar makes. you know <laughs> yeah. uh, uh that's that's a that's a fact you know that almost yeah. They, yeah. they don't pay salaries uh, but, but what i'm saying is is that this is the champions league and we have two bad munich fans here and they can tell you 
they did not they they did not only win it because they were the better team but because they were the stronger team in every single aspect defensively their their weakness is defense but they were better than the majority of the teams offensively the best keeper the best available in in in, in the, the Champions League knockout stages so it's a mixture of things and a little bit of luck it's not luck and then this is the Champions League the beauty of the Champions League is that you have to be there you have to have a strong team in all the thirds that's what yeah. unfortunately atlanta don't have and they cannot reinforce to have it but the uh, but the uh, exit exit of atlanta did really hurt me as an athletic fan because uh, it totally reminded me of the 2014 ucl final and in that stadium to estadio da luz <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. I'm sure you you you'll you'll be more familiar with the last minute kind of winners. All right. So I I, I want to move on to Real Madrid and Manchester City. So Vishal and Naeem you guys can unmute yourself because I want to talk to you guys about uh Pradeep I just have to um I need to go. Sure. Um, no I think pro- I think I've uh, said everything I have. Uh, pleasure to meet you guys. Um, Thank you. All Ali. the best. All yes. the best to everyone uh uh to you on your podcast and uh hopefully to many more uh, to come you have my number you can reach out whenever you want Definitely. and uh, we'll catch up soon forza you yes. ciao <laughs> ciao see you all right uh so vishal and naeem you guys obviously battled it out in the first match of post restart uh what did you guys make of it and uh, give give me your thoughts so uh, vishal were you fairly confident and even manchester city's campaign right we'll get to that a little later but i just want to talk both of you guys here so uh you know did were you fairly confident going into the match that you would um, you had a 2-1 lead over real madrid so you were were you confident that you would keep keep that lead no so honestly i think um uh one of the biggest concerns for us this year has been the defense and i think uh, going into that match it was very unsure who who you know guardiola would uh, play at the defense i think if you watch the match closely uh we actually our sort of offensive side did a really good job where uh, we we actually caught on to two mistakes uh, of uh, varan and uh, that's what allowed us to sort of take the lead and you know win this win the second uh, leg but uh going into the match i think uh, the moment uh, benzema scored that header uh i think uh, i was at the i was at the edge of my seat because i think we have we have had a very shaky season um again i think guardiola gets his tactics right with uh, with you know some of the best teams but i think even after the restart if you see we we, we you know thrashed liverpool and then we lose i think to southampton i uh, it's pretty it's pretty frustrating and puzzling so getting into the real madrid game um i was not too sure to be honest uh, what what would really happen and given that we also didn't have aguero i think we don't have a great finisher every time aguero gets uh, injured we don't have a great finisher that is there to replace him or to sort of do that you know during the mancini era we had Aguero, Zeko, Tevez, Balotelli. We had four strikers. So you you would always know that uh if there was no Aguero there would there would be a Tevez or there would be a Zeko or a Balotelli. So we so we had a good mix of strikers. While right now I think a winger is being used as a striker and I think all of you saw the horrific uh 
uh, you know, you saw that horrific incident with the Sterling. Um, yeah. So you uh, know, we saw, I think it's we saw we saw that and the memes that came along with it, which were brilliant. I didn't. I'm not on most of the social media. Uh, you know, I'm not on most of social media except for Instagram. So I, I didn't really come across too many memes personally, but I'm sure there there would have been a few million of those out there. I th- I think even Gabriel Jesus, if you st- if you saw, he had one or two good chances. Uh, you know, in the match against Leon, and of course Leon played extremely well. They also capitalized on some uh, mistakes that we made. But again, coming back to the Real Madrid game, I think without Aguero, it was always. Uh, you know, it was always a doubt in my head as to how we would work, how we would have succeeded. But I think eventually Guardiola's plan worked, uh, but it didn't work in the next match. And is it? I mean, what is it with Guardiola? Because for me, I felt like at times when he, he's overthinking it a bit too much. Uh, Shazad, before I ask you, want to say something? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I actually just wanted to talk about Pep. Uh, he just outthinks himself. I think that's. Uh, I mean, people can, people can, uh, you know, uh, think as much as they want about Pep and look at intricacies. But I think uh, even in the Leon game, uh, they had their chances. And then I again, I'm not a City supporter, but I love Pep because of the Bayern uh, era. And I just, for me, it was a flashback uh, with what he did with Bayern, right? Uh, benching Muller in some of the best games and all that. I won't go too de- in, too much into detail, but I feel like Pep uh, Pep has the same issue that most great thinkers have. Sometimes they just outthink themselves and, uh, you know, underestimate their own strengths. Also, what we missed this season was, was you know, two important things. I think we missed a midfield general. Uh, and we've missed a we've missed a true captain in the team. I think they were. I think Pep was very optimistic. You know, like uh, uh, you know, like you just said, is he just out things himself? I think we should have replaced company the same year that he was. You know, during his last year, we should have found a found another leader in uh, defense. Of course, we're in that transition phase, but uh, I think this. This could have been done earlier. They were absolutely optimistic, and then the, once Laporte went, imagine playing a holding midfielder like uh, Fernandinho as your centre back. Uh, I think that just led to a lot of confusion. I think also not uh, using your uh, using the existing uh, defenders you have. I mean, why 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 do we even have them in the team if if you're not being used? Like you know, Hotamendi, Stones, uh, Garcia came much later in the season. Uh, I think there's a lot of confusion around what should be the tactics, who should play, who's going to be your regular, uh, who's going to be your regular eleven. Uh, I think I, I just hope that this year, with all the purchases that they have done uh, and they want to do, they will sort of sort out some of these backup issues, which I think we suffered with quite a bit. And also on the tactics, I I, I didn't see the need to change tactics for Leon just to. Try and assume that that he could outsmart Rudy Garcia. You know, uh, I think we should sort of stick to our strengths. Uh, we really missed, uh, I think, Leroy Sané. I think in terms of speed, uh, I think Leroy Sané, Sterling, Aguero, right there up up uh, front is always a deadly was has always been a deadly combination. I think we missed a mix of that uh, this year, which we had, uh, which which you know worked for us very well last year. Right, uh, Naim. Do you want to add anything to this? Because I think we had this conversation yesterday about 
Pep trying to overthink or rather overthinking when he is the favorite in a particular match. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And also, in terms of Real Madrid as well, uh, you, know, Shez- you, you and Shazar had the conversation about being at the end and the beginning of a cycle. So, is the, are we seeing the beginning of a cycle for Real Madrid or do you think there are a few more signings that need to come in and replace the midfield for that cycle to actually really come to fruition, basically? All right, so we've lost him for a bit, but let, let's move on. Uh, I'll get to Somunil now, uh, Atletico Madrid. One of the, I think once you got past Liverpool in the Champions League, and Aaron, you can join in as well because as a Liverpool supporter. So first, let me come to Aaron because when this as a when this draw was announced, were were you uh, confident that you'd get past, or were you? Did you feel like Atletico was? One of the toughest teams in that draw that Liverpool could face. Um, I think Atletico was probably one of the teams you wouldn't want to face because they kind of have a similar sort of mindset as far as a game plan is concerned. They're as uh, mentally tough, if not tougher, than the players at Liverpool, and they have the same fighting spirit and never say die attitude. So. Um, it was always going to be a tough game. Uh, Liverpool have shown in the past that they do struggle against teams that are dogged defenders and stuff like that. So, um, always knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh, I think we would have, we would have probably been more comfortable with a team that was a little bit more attacking. Not to say that. Uh, Atletico is not good going forward, but uh, just teams that were a little bit more open in terms of how they play. So yeah, um, I mean there was no, I mean I was not entirely surprised when we did eventually go out to Atletico Madrid. I mean it was always going to be stiff competition there. Yes, it did hurt, but yeah, it is what it is. And Samuel, I'm going to flip the question. Did you feel confident when you saw Liverpool's name in the draw? Or, you know, were you ready to take or were you slightly sceptical that because they were the winners of the previous year that, uh, you know, it could be a tougher challenge and you could see yourself out? Also, uh, before yeah. I get... Uh, one minute. So, before I, I get to that. Also, it is also a... Co- I don't know if it's a coincidence or whatever, but... Simeone had never lost to a team that didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo. So once you got past Liverpool, were you? Was there any part of you that felt that okay, this could actually be our year unless we come against come up against Juventus, or actually even after Juventus got knocked out? Yeah, first thing first, I'd like to congratulate you guys on your Premier League win after thirty years. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah. That's- that that thirty years always seems like a dig. Every time people can't just stop at saying thank you. Yeah, I was, absolutely I was just going to say thank you for rubbing that in. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's no, like no, congratulations we, we for the win. We also won the La Liga in twenty fourteen after eighteen years. It's absolutely yeah. not a dig. I know, I know, but it's just that like everyone says that they don't stop off like congratulations after the Premier League uh, for winning the Premier League. It's like after thirty years. I was like, okay, yeah, we get yeah. it. It's fine. <laughs> Liverpool and uh, Atletico has uh, many similar similarities in the mentality department. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and, yeah, but uh, that's true. Uh, anyways, I mean, Liverpool did thrive in the Premier League 
or in the English league rather for quite some time. I don't think Atletico has ever had that chance thanks to Real Madrid. Just <laughs> <laughs> thanks for okay, the demand. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Coming yeah, back to the sure, point, yeah. Uh, yeah when uh, uh, when we uh, got Liverpool in the draw, I was a bit bit skeptical, but I never ruled out my team. But but uh, I always knew we were facing the best team in uh, best team in the world current at that time. So. So I know it it it, it, it would be like uh, as always who would park the bus and they would attack and would counter and uh, as uh, um, as we know the Simeone style exactly but i mean what, but did you think that you would at least against leipzig you you would have stood a better chance right you were you slight more confident yeah. once you got past liverpool yeah first of all we got past liverpool and uh, there's a coincidence uh, actually we faced liverpool in a competitive game it was back in 2010 it was in the uh, europa league semi finals and uh, it was quite similar diego uh, forlan scored the extra time winner in at the anfield at the same end where marcos llorente ah, yeah. scored <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> so, was that time, europa right europa league yeah right? yeah that was in europa and that time we won so i thought uh, the stars are a little bit lining up and also real madrid uh, and uh, juventus got out uh, they have been a uh, stick in our path always uh so uh so when we got uh, leipzig uh, i didn't fear the team uh, that uh, the leipzig of uh, bundesliga but i feared the leipzig of julian nagelsmann he is a he is a great upcoming coach i know if someone can throw off simeone and uh, that uh, nagelsmann can uh, so, and uh, he did it just that he played a three man defense which uh, simeone always struggles against Interesting. Okay, I, I didn't not notice that. Uh, okay, so th- talking about stars aligned, uh, Alankrit and Shehzad, you guys played Chelsea. Were you in any way thinking, given what happened in 2011, that the stars would be aligned once again? Or did you think that ah, it's a two-game two affair rather than a one-game affair this time? So uh, I was honestly pretty confident that uh, if you're asking me if we were nervous against Chelsea, I wasn't in the least bit and I'm not being arrogant to be honest with you. I... Definitely knew we were going to smash them. Uh, we did, uh, and and again, uh, no hatred towards Chelsea. I think they have a good upcoming uh, young squad. But uh, I, to be honest with you, even in the first leg when uh, Bayern and Chelsea were actually zero all at halftime, I just had the confidence that Bayern would come out and score a few. And I think uh, even in the second leg, uh, I really wasn't that nervous. Uh, things went as planned. Uh, I think uh, if you notice some of the conversation that the team had prior to that game for a good month or so during the Bundesliga uh, or post the Bundesliga when they had the break, all the conversation was about the Chelsea game. You know, no one was speaking about, hey, uh, you know, let's let's talk about winning the Champions League or whatever. The entire focus was on, hey, you know, second leg of the Chelsea game is coming up. Everyone's from Karl, everyone from uh, Karl Heinz Rubenegger to, uh, you know, even our bench players. <laughs> like everyone was aligned with that. So yeah, I, I personally had no qualms uh, about it. Yeah, actually, same here because, like, I mean, I I didn't think that we would win the Champions League just because we would go past Chelsea. But I I did know that we wouldn't find that much of like a competition in getting past Chelsea. Uh, I was surprised though by the three 0 result away. I thought it would be more closer, at least because it's Chelsea's home. So they would put more of a fight. But 
I didn't really expect that big of a win, but overall, I did think that we were going to get past Chelsea and into the quarterfinals. And yeah, like Shahzad said, uh, every every game actually, even after we beat Barcelona A2, the players were just focused on the semifinals. No one was already thinking of the finals. They were like, we have to win the semifinals, then only we can get to win the Champions League. Like we get to play the finals and then we would be one step closer. So the focus was always on the next game ahead, not not on the trophy itself, like just because they had a great result. So I, I thought that was... Uh, showing real strength mentally to be prepared and be focused. You're right. I mean, we definitely saw the stark contrast in the pictures post the Barcelona game and post the PSG Leipzig game. And uh, I mean, it's understandable though, because I felt like, yeah, it, it was the first time that PSG had made it to the final. And so definitely that elation is there. Uh, but for Bayern, it seemed like, yeah, they were much more focused, definitely. But it seemed like they'd been, they'd been there before. At least some of the players had been there before. So, uh, it, it was definitely, you know, all eyes on the prize after that game there. Uh, oh, we've got Naeem back now. So, Naeem, you know, continue with your uh, thoughts on Real Madrid's campaign this particular season. Yeah, I, I believe I was thinking about Guardiola at first. I think okay, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, he's just been, uh, I wouldn't say hyped up as such because he's definitely earned uh, that um, honor of being one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, however, it sort of put him in that place where people expect a lot out of him, and I think he expects uh, a lot of out, uh, out of himself. And what that kind of does is that. Even though for most part of the season, he's got this plan in place and he knows how his team works and all of that. During these crucial stages, especially during these knockout games, he kind of starts thinking like, hey, um, so there are two ways. I either play the way we usually play uh, and we kind of do what we usually do or I kind of adapt to what the team, uh, the opposition is uh, doing in terms of in the past games uh, and kind of figure out a way to sort of outdo them. I think the change this year uh, as compared to the previous season, I think in the previous two seasons, he did try to play his way in the Champions League uh, knockout uh, games. Unfortunately, probably unlucky at times uh, that he kind of uh, had these moments where his players weren't all that clinical uh, and kind of gave away the games that they should have ideally gone through or gone past at least. This year, however, he kind of uh, switched his tactics. I believe that's what he did. He kind of tried to adapt to what the opposition was doing and tried to outplay them. Um, and in doing so, probably played into Bayern Munich's uh, hand, basically. So I, I, I guess it's, uh, Wait. it's the case where... Sorry, Leon's hand. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering I where... <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in, in Leon's hand. Yeah. Um, and I'm credit to Leon because Leon had a game plan and they stuck to it throughout. Uh, they knew they couldn't go head to head with this uh, city side, so they did the best of hitting them on the counter, something that they're really good at. Uh, and it paid dividends when they kind of made every chance that they had count. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just the fact that Guardiola always overthinks himself sometimes uh, in the systems that he already has in place, and sometimes in trying to figure how he can outdo the opponent rather than in the fact that, hey, let me just stick with this team and let me just stick with these players 
and I believe they'll come through. I think sometimes that's what it is. It's like you sort of morale boost your team and then they sort of uh, go about doing their business because they've done it throughout the season. And then that sort of comes through. I think that's something what Hansi Flick has managed to do this season with Bayern Munich. And I think that's what City actually needed this year more than anything else. I think it wasn't a tactical think, rethink that was required in the Lyon game. I think it was just a morale boost that was required that didn't come through. And unfortunately for him, uh, yet another Champions League uh, disappointment, uh, which continues to happen, I guess. I'm not quite sure if people would think otherwise. Uh, uh, but that's my thought on Guardiola this, this particular past couple of seasons, rather. And uh, with regards, regards to Real Madrid, uh, well, I wouldn't say I had the biggest of expectations this year. I always knew there was a rebuild coming in uh, with the kind of players we have in place. And obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving didn't uh, really do uh, uh, too, too well for us in terms of, yes, it got in a lot of money, but hey, we've lost a player that gave us about 40-50 goals a season. So that's quite difficult to replace, especially if you don't have the right player in mind that you want to bring in to replace. I think uh, Mbappe was the only other player that I could think of. I mean, all, all due respect to Hazard and I really like the guy, but I think he's still quite... Um, towards the closer part of the 30 that I didn't really want. I didn't want a player around that age to come in because I thought Real Madrid, with the whole philosophy, was looking at the future. Uh, and we already had people like Vinicius, um, Rodrigo in the team. So it made sense to have like a good clinical striker. Uh, I mean, granted that Mbappe still has ways to go, but I thought he would do a very good job if he had come in with Real Madrid. Uh, and yeah, like you mentioned, like, uh, going into the Champions League, the, the, the first half of the season, I didn't expect too much. Uh, I mean, we did fairly decently, I suppose, to get to the knockouts. Uh, and once the knockouts was there, I expected us to kind of go a little further into the tournament. Uh, but it was always going to be a task, difficult task against this Manchester City side. So um, after the first leg, I didn't really have all that much hopes because of how the season was panning out. We had a lot of injuries, especially Hazard was out as well. Asensio was already out. Uh, so going into that second leg of the Champions League, I felt like it was, you know, done for, like pretty much out. Uh, but then obviously we know what transpired post that and we got this break of almost three, four months where we had enough time to sort of get back on injured players. And the way we ended the season, uh, although not very convincing, still uh, left us in a position where we could sort of dream of overturning that uh, 2-1 deficit. And um, looking at how City was faring against their opponents, I mean, they obviously had that good game against Liverpool, but then the uh, as uh, someone mentioned earlier, they had those games against the sm uh, smaller opponents that they lost out to, and it kind of seemed like there was hope. And when the second match happened and Benzema opened the scoring, uh, there was that hope that, okay, things are going to go away. And unfortunately, uh, some of our best players uh, didn't turn up on the night. And obviously, that error from Varane uh, was a very costly one. But uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I was still very decently happy with the season because we did win the league title. And Considering that I didn't expect too much of the, out of the team this season, 
I was quite a happy Real Madrid supporter. I I believe towards the end of the season. But okay, fair enough on that. But uh, the other thing I had was you you and Shahzad mentioned you know the start of a cycle and the end of a cycle. You mentioned when you won the third in a row that uh, it was a, an end of a cycle because a lot of uh, some of your players were in the thirties and Ronaldo was going to leave all of that. But I mean, you didn't know Ronaldo was going to leave, but he left. But uh, now, are you seeing the start of a cycle, or do you think there are a few more pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to be added in before you can actually see that start come to fruition? Right. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a start of another cycle. We still have like about two or three pieces. I would love to see Awar come into uh, this team. I I doubt that would happen. Everybody but... wants Awar. The guy can only go to one <laughs> club, man. I know. So, I know. I know. I, I'm pretty sure even Liverpool want uh, Awar, but. I mean, I was quite impressed with the with the kind of season he had at uh, uh, Leon and the way he played the entire season and the kind of dribbles and how he got out of those uh, tricky areas. It was quite interesting to see, and it would be someone who would be a worthy replacement for uh, uh, Modric, is what I believe. I mean, obviously we have got Odegaard coming in back into the squad now, and hopefully he will uh, sort of carry over that role and move into what was expected. Uh, of him when he was bought in when, at the age of 15 or 16. Uh, but to be honest, like uh, I'm not quite sure how well that is going to go. I really hope it goes well. But I would like a player like Awar within the team to sort of get us out of that midfield uh, areas, especially against these high-pressing teams because there's so much... Uh, like uh, I, I believe we are one of those teams that enjoys having the ball, but um, in, a, in a more quicker... Uh, pace than what Barcelona does. Obviously, it's, it's more direct. Uh, yeah. But I guess the moment we we are we have fewer touches, we kind of start panicking, which always happens with our defensive line because it's not the best when Ramos isn't around. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we definitely definitely need someone at the back to sort of um, uh, give back up to Ramos. I mean, we have Militao, I think, but we need just one more centre back probably. We've got a very good left back in Mondi. Uh, I think he's quite promising. Um, right back Carvajal seems decent at 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 most right now. Probably need a uh, backup. Maybe um, I'm sorry, forget the name of the person at uh, Bayern Munich right now. Our defender who's the right back temporarily at lo- on loan in Bayern Munich. Um, guessing Zola. we might. Audrey Zola, yeah. Audrey Zola. Yeah. Audrey Zola. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bayern yeah, would really love, <laughs> love to give it back. Love to give it back. Yeah, but I mean, loan signing in a in a long time, Just won three trophies. Yeah, right. he won, yeah, man. Won, uh, he, he won, won two leagues. Yeah, he won two leagues and six, six trophies. Yeah, but uh, this is the start of a cycle. I expect this team to do better. Not this particular season, but I would expect them to do really well from this season onwards. Because uh, that's how it was when the Galacticos, the second Galacticos era began around when Cristiano Ronaldo, Kaka all were brought in and there was a lot of expectations placed on that squad. And it took them about two or three years to sort of settle in and kind of understand each other uh, and get that flow of football. Obviously, there were multiple coaches coming in as well. Um, but I think yeah. once that core understanding of the team is there, then it's kind of set to take you forward. And I think Madrid should be ready to be in that place by next year. So I do have one question though. Like uh, you were talking about the right back slot, uh, how do you feel about selling Hakimi now, given that he had such a 
phenomenal year in the Bundesliga. I think he was one of the best right backs there. I think he's had a phenomenal season, most certainly. But I think Carvajal still remains our number one right back, and it would be not okay to get Hakimi back in and then sort of keep him out of the more the more amount of games that's there. I think that was the key factor in sort of letting him move on. And I believe Zidane also doesn't entirely trust Hakimi's. Uh, I mean, granted, he's a very good footballer and in his own right, but I think that's not what Jesus is looking for right now. Um, so there's no like I don't feel like we've missed out um, in, at a like I mean he's a very good player, but I don't think it's like whoa shit we should have held on to that guy. Like I, I don't I don't think we're gonna miss we're gonna miss him too much to be honest. Sorry, right, not okay. to uh, not to cause a lot of confrontation. I think it's, a, it's been a very nice chat, but I think uh, Madrid did make an error on Akimi, so I'll kind of disagree there. Okay, so I, I okay, actually, let me kind of cut in here because I think we're going to run out of time again. So let let's move on to this. We can discuss this another time when we're talking about the new season and transfers and all of that. But talking about the upcoming season uh, alankrit and shehzad you guys are going to be defending the title uh, so are you going to ex- what are you expecting from next season the more of the same or you know obviously tougher challenges ahead um personally i think it's going to be a tough season uh, like we like we saw last year where we had like at least three teams fighting for the title at least for the large parts of it until bayern just like steamrolled towards the end uh but i think this year is going to be another tough year at least for the large parts of it and i think Le- leipzig are going to be our biggest uh, rivals challenging for the title uh they they've actually grown really well and frankly no, I, i think they i, I actually mean the champions players. champions league title so Uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, Leipzig would be the cl- closest competitor. I was like, wait a minute, something doesn't add up there. Uh, but I mean, okay. from a Champions League, defending the title, we'll come to the season later on. But yeah, just the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think we'll still be up there, at least the final four. Uh, then after that, you never know because um, Champions League reverting back to the original two-game format, so uh, there's more. chances of the away goal rule and everything so you never know then but i definitely think we're going to be in the final four uh, hope to make another yeah. final and probably lift the seventh one equaling ac milan but yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes and cheza so to be honest with you my main focus is actually on the mentality of the club because that i want bayern munich to have that same uh, killer mentality that real madrid has had right uh, because post 2013 uh the club uh, came out and said oh you know the bundesliga still takes priority and don't get me wrong i obviously the bundesliga does take priority and it should but i want bayern to kind of step up and say that hey the champions league is our priority as well so um, you know regardless of the outcome I, i mean if they don't win next year i wouldn't really be that disappointed but i want them to at least aim for it i want them to have that killer mentality and to be honest with you i think next season is going to be a grueling schedule for all clubs so i don't think it'll be that easy uh having said that again i'm more keen on uh, you know i think they could still make the final four but again it's too early to say i just want them to have that you know that cutthroat mentality that we are bayern munich and we can still go out and you know retain the trophy definitely uh yeah it, it'll be interesting i think there will be like you mentioned that the schedule will be the biggest 
obstacle for most teams here because we don't know the two-legged thing depends on how borders open and how they play about. But uh, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. All right, so I guess that's about it for this special episode. Uh, it's been, I think, more than an hour, hour and a half. So thank you all, uh, all 10 of you, whoever's been here for being a part of this podcast. It was a pleasure having you on here and giving your thoughts. Uh, I look forward to talking to each one of you, with, with each one of you in uh, greater detail about your specific club once we start with season two of uh, FFS. That will be in September sometime. But thanks, uh, Joseph, Aaron, Alankrit, Naeem, Shazad. It sounds like I'm reading off a Patreon uh, list here. But thank you all for being a part of the podcast episode and giving your thoughts. It was a really entertaining Champions League campaign and we can't, we, we can't wait to get back to that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Shiora. Looking forward to it, uh, to do more uh, podcasts with them. Definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was a great experience. Look forward to more. Thank you so much uh, for having us. us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Naeem. Thanks, Alankrit. Thanks, uh, Daddy. This was uh, fun as always. Uh, so, you know, look forward to more. Definitely. And uh, talking about more, once we come up with season two, there are going to be a whole lot of changes. We're going to come up with stuff that uh, you may or may not have expected and uh, it'll definitely be more fun definitely be more engaging so I can't wait to come out with that uh, so thanks again for tuning in and staying with us for this special episode I hope you had a blast and I can't wait to get in touch and talk to you soon uh, until then don't forget to leave a like you can rate us on seven different podcast platforms you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter um, and yeah, let us know if you or anyone you know wants to be a part of the podcast as well. I guess that's it for tonight. Uh, good evening. Stay safe wherever you are. Uh, I'm your host, Praddy, once again. And see you.